Well, our reading for this evening that Josh is going to come up and, and preach on in a bit is from the letter of James. So we're carrying on our series in the letter, and we're in chapter 5 this evening. So do find James chapter 5, and we'll be reading from verse 7 through to verse 12, and then Josh will come up. So that's James chapter 5, verses 7 to 12. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't crumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. And you've heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, Do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Thanks, Rory. Well, I'm getting increasingly impatient with the situation that we see uh, at the moment all around us and and the government's response to, to COVID. I don't know how you're finding these last few months and, and years, but if I'm honest, and I, and I want to be, I, I'm, I'm struggling to see the point of the way it continues to, to carry on and the, the restrictions that we are, are under right now, even though the majority of people in our country have been vaccinated. See, I don't think any of us have, have, haven't felt the pressure of this last year or, or struggled to cope in, in some way through all, all that's happened. And so for some there's been much anxiety, there's been much fear and, and worry. For others, there's been you know, real exasperation, frustration, and, and maybe even anger. But still, we, we, we ask, when will this end? When will the things around us stop? When will we have our, our freedoms back? We see the huge waiting lists and, and hospitals growing more and more, don't we? Business owners are complaining, there's pressures in the parliament and in our classrooms, all around us, and we are living through a time, and, and we're all going to have stories to tell in the years to come, and, and nightmares to forget. I'm glad, once this is all over, that I hope to never mention that word COVID again as we, we look back. And I'm looking forward, though, to, to things going back to normal. And I think, I'm sure you can all agree, that we long for those days to come again. Not to some new normal or to some build back better or to reset things. I just want life to go back to the way it was before. With England on its way to a semi-final and things looking on the up again, that's what I'm I'm looking forward to. And then, as I've been thinking these things through these last months, I came to our passage that we're reading tonight and I had to stop. And I had to, to really take a deep breath. And I read that passage, and it begins with these two words, be patient. Then it says it again in verse 7, patiently wait. Then again in verse 8, it says, be patient and stand firm. Then verse 9, it says, don't grumble. 
verse 10, it says there's an example of, of patience. Verse 11, it says we count as blessed those who persevere. And verse 12, it says be careful with your words or else you will be condemned. And as I thought about these words and tonight's message, literally every single one of them has been speaking to me and to the situation that we find ourselves in. He's, he's warning us and he's encouraging us. He's saying, be patient, persevere, watch your tongue, don't grumble. And I've had to take this deep breath as I approached this, this message for us tonight. It's, see, it's easy sometimes to stand up here and to try to exhort us and to, to come under God's word and to, to listen to what it's saying and to be able to speak to you, but I, I remember that I have to look at my own heart too. What is God saying to me through his word here tonight? You see, I need to hear this message. I need to be patient. My heart, it needs to bow to the Lord and his word to us. And, and as we face the trials of life, whatever they may be, whatever they look like at any given moment, James, in his letter to this church, to the church in every generation, he says to us, be patient. Be patient. Now, my immediate response to that is, well, well it's an impatient response. I say, well, how long for? How long do I have to be patient for? How long do we wait? And, and verse 7 says, be patient, brothers and sisters, until when? It says, until the Lord's coming. Until the Lord comes, we be patient and we wait. That's how long. We wait, we endure until the return of our king comes back to this earth. And from when James first wrote these words, nearly 2,000 years ago, God's people, we have been waiting steadfastly. Waiting, enduring, being patient. So, so am I tonight? Are you? Ask yourself honestly, are we being patient as we wait for the Lord's return? Now you see James who, who wrote this letter. He, he was a great pastor. He knew his church well. He knew the pressures that the people were facing, that, that people through every generation face. And this whole letter is set to a people who, are, who have been struggling. Do you remember how the whole letter opens? Those famous words back in chapter 1. It frames the whole book by a fallen and, and hurting world. He says to the, to the people, he says, Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, what a punchy way to start a letter. Consider it pure joy. And then as he comes to the end, he says, be patient. As you're facing these trials, be patient and wait. And all, all the way between these two ends of the, of the book, he speaks to all sorts of people, to the haves and to the have-nots, to those who are doing well and those who are struggling, those who are under trials and tests, those who are battling with temptations, with evil, all the way through, he is teaching us how to live out our faith, how to live in this world as you wait and long for the Lord's return. And he's so practical, isn't he? I've loved going through this book together because it's so full of, of how to live out your faith day by day in, in real terms. And in this final chapter now, we're in the last few verses, really, of this letter. Tonight and then next week for the final bit. He brings it all back together. He begins to wrap the whole letter up. And tonight he wants us to, to know this. He wants us to be patient, to persevere. And then next week he's going to finish with prayer. Don't forget to pray. And that's what frames this book. So how then tonight, how do we be patient? How do we wait? What does that even mean? Well, a definition here of, of patience is, is the ability to wait despite difficulties. Or similarly, to, perseverance means to suffer 
without complaining. The ability to wait despite difficulties and to suffer without complaining. Now this idea, I think, is perhaps harder than ever because we live in a world that that just doesn't like to wait, doesn't like to be patient for anything. We try to avoid all sorts of suffering, don't we? And we don't like to walk places because we think it's going to take too long or it's going to be too tiring to actually get there. And so we jump in our car just to drive around the corner. Or maybe we, we, we do walk occasionally. We get, our heads are in our phones, aren't they? So we're just walking along, looking at things, scrolling through the next social media post, not wanting to miss an email, and you're looking down constantly because we're too impatient to wait till we get home to the office or anywhere else. We don't go out pick our apples off trees anymore. We download an app. We go to the supermarket, and they, and they deliver it to us. And we skip the ads. We, 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 we push fast forward. We use same-day same delivery. We even, we even skip marriage now. We just go straight to living with one another. So many people in this world that we live in, we are perhaps the most impatient generation ever. Now, some of you may even be thinking, how long are you going to take tonight? Is this going to be a long talk? And you're impatient to get to the end already. I want to get home, you say. I want to just go watch the Formula One highlights tonight. But no, James is inviting us to stop, to be patient and to hear God's word to us. So patience, perseverance, it's that ability to wait even despite difficulties, and to suffer without complaining. Just like a farmer who waits for his crop to yield its fruit. That's the picture James uses in verse 7. Do you see that? See, it can be difficult waiting, but this is the key. The key is think of what's to come. Think of a farmer. Now, he sows his seeds early in the spring. He's been working all winter, tilling the ground, getting it ready. He finally plants them. Now the shoots are beginning to grow. They're getting taller. The flowers have blossomed. The fruit's beginning to ripen. He's waiting for the rains to come to help really bring the final bit through. And as he's there, he's waiting. He's persevering because he knows, all being well, that there's going to be a harvest come the autumn. And he's going to be able to pluck those fruit from the trees. He's going to be, going to, be able to take the wheat and, and, and eat it and, and till, till the ground again. And he waits because he's thinking of what's to come. That's the picture. He waits because he knows that there is something, in the, something good in the future that is to come. And so just as, as the farmer waits, verse 8 says, You too, be patient and stand firm. Because this is the key. Think of what's to come. The Lord's coming is near. The Lord's coming is near. That is what to come. You see, the Lord, the King, the God of of all the universe who created all things, our, our groom, our Savior, our friend, He is coming back. And that's why we wait. You know, even despite the difficulties and the trials and the suffering we have been going through, because as we wait, we know there is something glorious to come. I'm reminded of, of two Corinthians. 417, which says that our light and momentary troubles, they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That glory that Paul talks about, that will be the coming of the Lord. We will be in his glorious presence forever. And so we wait. And knowing that helps us wait patiently. Now, are you looking forward to that day? Are you looking forward to that moment when the king returns to the earth once again to call his church, his bride, to himself? When when the creator stands with his creation and we get to see each other face to face. I long for that day. 
Do you? Are you waiting and longing for the moment when the Lord returns? There was a preacher in, in Seattle who was speaking, and he, and he said this. He said, he finds that people, they tend not to think about the second coming of Jesus until we're hurting. We don't tend to think about it when, until we, we actually begin to feel the pain. Like, it's like this. You say, say I, I, I've, I've said to someone today, guess what? I've, I've just lost three stone. I've uh, just... I've just got engaged to someone beautiful. I've, I've just won the lottery as well. And all these things are great in my life right now. And I, and I said that. And then you ask them, how are you looking forward to the return of the Lord? And, and if someone asks them that, they say, well, actually, I could just wait a few more years if you don't mind. You know, I'm, I've got a few things I want to be doing. I'm looking forward to the summer. We're going to get married and buy a big house together. I'm looking forward to my future. It'd actually be all right if, if the Lord just waited a few more years until I was a little bit older. But then if you, if you ask someone else and you said, actually, you know, my fiancé has just broken up with me. And well, this morning I found out that I lost my job and then I got a phone call from the doctor saying I've been diagnosed with cancer. And, well, actually, when do you want the Lord to return? Well, today would be quite good, if I'm honest, because things are tough right now. You see, when things are difficult and you are in pain, you are hurting, that's when you long most, I think, for the Lord to return. When things are good, when you're enjoying life, often we just want to enjoy the things of this world. You know, there's no need to really persevere or to be patient because all is well. And we may even be tempted to believe that, that the things of this world, the things of earth here right now, well, they might even be preferable to the return of the king. You know, I just want to see England get to the final. Just, just can't wait. Just one more week. And I've got a big holiday planned next year. That's what I'm really looking forward to. I'd just love to be a dad one day. I want to be a grandparent. These things you might be looking forward to. There are so many things I want to just do first. Are you longing for the Lord's return? Or would you not really mind if he waited another year or two or ten? Moses, he warned the, the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 10, and he says this, that when you've eaten, when you're satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you, but be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. See, that warning, is, I think, is as real for us today as it was when it was first spoken so many years ago. Let us never be so comfortable that we forget our Redeemer and long for Him, nor too overwhelmed by life that we grumble and complain and dishonor the name of the Lord our God. So we wait patiently for His return. We long for Him to come and as we, as we do, we, we are careful in our words, the things we say and think and do. Because verse 9 in our passage, it warns us against, uh, about our tongues once more. You see, James has, has threaded this idea of the tongue and, and watching your tongue all the way through his letter. We mustn't boast, we mustn't curse or stumble in our words because the tongue is a fire. Do you remember chapter 3? He says it's a world of evil that can corrupt and, and it corrupts the whole body. 
Now, as we consider tonight what it, what it means to be patient, it can be so tempting to grumble. Oh, he's late again. You know, what? why is it always me, you say? Why, why does that always happen to, to them and I never get a chance? Life's not fair. It's all right for them. How long is this going to last for? Now, James has a stern warning about how we respond to the hardships that we face in life. He says, don't grumble against one another or you will be judged. Don't grumble. See, the Lord is coming. And that gives us hope to to withstand all the pressures of life that we face. But he also comes as a judge, it says in our passage. You see, the judge, verse 9, he's standing at the door. He's about to enter. He's, He's just off stage, and the moment is about to come when he returns in all his glory. But he comes as a judge. So watch your words as you wait. The moment is almost here. Verse 12, again, says similar things. Our words, they're so powerful. Now, we don't need to swear or to take oaths. We are people of our word. All you need is a simple yes or no. We don't grumble or complain or make unnecessary promises or boasts. Otherwise, verse 12 ends. Otherwise, you will be condemned. I was reminded of another story of Job. He's mentioned in verse 11 here, but he was a a man who suffered so greatly, didn't he? He faced unimaginable pain and pressure in his life, but he persevered. Do you remember, remember though, what, what his wife said to him in the midst of all his pain? Do you remember what happened? He just lost all his livelihood, all that he had was taken away. He had a terrible infection that covered his body with sores. They even lost their ten children. They had seven sons and three daughters. They were all killed in a a great storm as their house collapsed on them. And in the midst of this unimaginable pain and suffering, what did his wife say to him? She said, why don't you just curse God and die? And he could well have. He could have given in. Who would have blamed him after facing all those things that he had been through? But, but what kept Job going in spite of those difficulties? He knew that the Lord's coming was near. Now, how do I know that? Well, it says in Job 19, verse 25. This is a verse we should all memorize. He says, I know my Redeemer lives. And in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed... Yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I, not another. How my heart yearns within me. That's what Job said. He was longing for the Lord to come, even in the midst of his pain, because he knew that his Redeemer would restore all things and that he too would be restored fully in his presence. See, he was longing for his Savior. What a picture of perseverance that is. You know, the ability to stand firm, even under great pressure, under great suffering. And so James is right to remind us tonight about being careful in the way that we use our tongues. Now, when things aren't going as we hoped, as difficult as they may be, we trust God and we long for his return. Think of the opposite example. Do you remember when Peter, the night that Jesus was arrested, Peter the apostle, 
under the pressure of that evening, seeing his dear friend and, and, and rabbi taken away and arrested. Peter's own tongue had almost robbed him of his glory. Was he a follower of Jesus? He, uh, he was asked three times that night. Are you a follower of Jesus? He said. And when put on the spot, given a chance to, to stand up for what he believed in, when he was under stress, under real danger, what would he say? Well, he began, it says, to call down curses on himself and to swear, I don't know the man. His tongue that let him down at that point of most pressure. Because only hours earlier he had promised, didn't he? That if all else fall away, I will never fall away, Lord. But the stress, the pressure of that night, it exposed what I think is a weakness in every one of us, our tongues. You know, we are called to be patient, to persevere, to, to guard our tongues and to look to the Lord's coming. Now, though Peter's tongue failed him, without the Lord's restoration and forgiveness, well, he may well have been left condemned. But the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Look at the, verse, the end of verse 11. What is the Lord like? He is full of compassion and mercy. And so when we look to the Lord's coming, and we long for his return, we see who he really is. And I want to, as I begin to wrap up, just focus on the coming Lord. What is he like? Who is this coming king? The Lord is full of compassion and mercy, and Peter found that restoration, that full forgiveness in this compassionate God. He is the most, the most wonderful saviour that you could ever know. Now James, who, who wrote this letter, he knew Jesus obviously too. Not just as his Lord and as, as a saviour, but, but as his big brother, James, the younger brother of Jesus. Now we don't know exactly what he thought of Jesus when he was on earth, Perhaps he was one of the family who thought that Jesus was out of his mind. It says as much in the Gospels. John 7 says that even his own brothers didn't believe in him. But, but by the time Jesus had risen from the dead, had proven himself to be the King and Messiah and the Savior of the world, James knew that he had come to rescue him from his own sin. And the sin of the whole world, he knew his big brother now as his Lord and as his, his Creator even. And also the one who is coming back, the one who is full of compassion and full of mercy. Now, do you know the Savior? Do you know him tonight in all his compassion and his mercy? Now, he, he knows how hard you have found this last year. He knows how tough things are. And do you know what he says to us? Jesus says, he says, I understand. Everything that you're going through, I've also been through that as well. Now, the place that you're in right now, that's the place that I've been. I was there for you, and I will be there for you. I'm compassionate. I understand. I'm merciful. I will be your comfort. It won't last forever because I'm coming back. Wait for me. I am coming soon. Hebrews 4 it tells us more about this compassionate God. It says that we don't have a high priest who's unable to feel sympathy with us and our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. 
Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. You see, Jesus, he persevered. Jesus endured. Jesus did not quit. He went to the cross. He ran his race. He kept his faith. Let us then approach his throne of grace with confidence so that we too may receive mercy, that we might find grace. And because he has gone before us and we're going to remember shortly all that he has done for us on the cross, do you know what he says to us as well? He says, I want you to pick up your cross and follow me. I've gone there before you. Follow me. How do we do that? We walk with him. He leads us. We patiently endure all that life throws at us. We stand firm even when you feel like throwing it all in. We stand steadfastly and with perseverance. How? Well, we think of what's to come. That's what James calls us to do tonight. He says, the Lord is coming. The judge is standing at the door. He will come and he will wipe away every tear from every eye. He will raise every saint from the dead. He will relieve every pain that you're feeling. And he will right every wrong that has harmed you. He will reconcile everything that is broken. Now that gives me hope. That helps me when I despair at the state of the world and and our governments and my frustration with things, my impatience even with others, my own failings and my own wayward tongue. I know that the Lord is full of compassion. He's full of mercy. And he gave his life so that we may live. And he's coming one day back to this earth so that we can live with him forever. So let's be patient. Let's stand firm, watching our tongues and praying. Come, Lord Jesus.